morning, everybody. AD here, Andrew Deering. It is lovely to have you in the background listening. I'm joined this morning, well, this morning where I am, whatever it is where you are, um, by Rowan Dredge. G'day, Rowan. Hello, mate. Thanks for having me. Excited. Absolute pleasure. Uh, Rowan, I've known for quite a few years as a man of deep integrity, deep wisdom, and uh, whole bunch of expertise that I think you'll hear about when we continue this onwards. And I know you will pick up some absolute nuggets from this conversation. Just to explain who Rowan is, uh, he's a CEO of Pragmatic Thinking. He brings much more than a world, he's much more than a world-class presenter, thinker and strategist. Uh, he, he brings life to our operating intent. Really interesting conversation there that I think we're gonna ask him about a bit later. Uh, he, he seeks to make a difference to the difference makers. And I know if people are listening to this, you're a bunch of those people. Uh, for more than two decades, Rowan has taught leaders the essential skills to help them make the leap from someone who is great at the job to someone who is outstanding at leading people. And a little sneaky comment there, you'd say two decades, really? I know I show, my, I show the wear. He doesn't show the wear anywhere near as much. <laughs> um, <laughs> with the Masters in Educational Psychology, the lived experience of leading large teams in fast growth environments and a vast knowledge developed by exec coaching some of Australia's most impressive business leaders, Rowan's leadership style at Pragmatic Thinking is hands-on, client-facing, and energetic. The energetic heartbeat of Pragmatic Thinking, Rowan provides a direction, inspiration, and commitment to reducing next practice client delivery to the wider, for the wider team, on behalf of the wider team, with the wider team at Pragmatic Thinking. Beyond being one of the most likable and decent humans you're likely to meet, he's an he has an insatiable desire that drives him to support people and businesses to be better. Well, I reckon that fits in a better people, better business. Um, so it's an absolute delight to have everybody listening, and it's great to have Rowan here. And as always, we're going to leap in because, uh, as I, I remember sitting in a cafe a few years back with Rowan, and he asked me about something I was attending, and there was a ball, and this whole conversation was, do you dance? And I said, no, I'm not really good at dancing. I think dancing, uh, both in the real sense and the figurative sense, is largely useless. So let's stop dancing. Let's get into the meat. <laughs> um, Rowan, we always start this with a really simple conversation. I'm, I'm intrigued to hear your conversation around this. And the name of this podcast is Better People, Better Business. And my simple question is, what does that mean to you? Yeah, I so appreciate it and appreciate um, it's always quite odd when somebody reads you the documentation that you've sent them that's about about yourself and all those things, especially when you've got the, you know, for our listeners, when, you know, AD and I have got the kind of relationship we've had, we we could have more or less dispensed with the bio and uh, and just uh, and just had a chat as uh, as friends and colleagues. And um, personally, I, I, firstly, I think as a statement of intent, I mm -hmm. think it is outstanding. I think if we, one of the things that inspires leaders is this idea of what am I aiming at? What am I going for? What is it that we are trying to create and produce and develop and make happen and, and cause to be? And I think the idea of better people, better business is just a stunning intent. I think it, I think it puts together two potentially counterintuitive counter ideas and uh, and I'll I'll elaborate on that in just a sec. Please do. I think I think there's an adage that says you know people are our business, and then you hit a profit snag or you have a down quarter or you 
your, your share price plunges or something like that, or we have a pandemic even, or we get supply chains issues or <laughs> weather situations. And we say, we say, we say people are our business and then yeah. there's layoffs and then there's interest rates and then there's inflations. And we, we do things like where we've got contrasts around a significant telco in our country that laid off several thousand people a number mm -hmm. of years ago because they're, they've got a very high priority on whatever the number is on June 30 versus a significant financial institution that made changes to the functioning. This is a billion dollar financial institution made changes to the functioning of that organization in order to not lay off work, the workforce. Mm. So, you know, I hear this better people, um, better business idea. And I think that is what we're about, but it needs to be what we're about when it's hard mm. and it needs to be what we're about when it's difficult. And it needs to be what we're about when difficult decisions need to be made for the business and for people. One of my favorite metaphors around this is, is when people talk about high performance and the high performing team, I'm, I immediately go to rugby. That's my pedigree. It's my background. I played it as a junior. And is then, it real rugby or rugby league? No, real rugby. Uh, real rugby. <laughs> okay. I've got you. I've got you. Uh, <laughs> real rugby. And uh, at the time of recording, we've got a bit of a uh, a bit of a festival of rugby going on at the moment with some of the best. And uh, I love it when the camera pans across the team during the national anthem, and it pans across, and you see it start with the captain. And then it, it basically the camera changes position for the size of the player. Mm. And you're looking, you're looking at these 15 players or 17 or 18 players, are they keeping the reserves, however it works. And you're seeing completely different shapes, completely different sizes and completely different makeups of people all gathered together for one purpose, all gathered together with different points of reference, different contributions, but one aim. And I think that as a metaphor reminds me of the idea of better people, better business, because every single one of those players is expected to leave everything on the mat. They're expected to sacrifice. They're expected to put their body on the line. They're expected to pay a really high price for the sake of the objective and everybody around them is expected to make the same commitment to them and their performance and their well-being and their essentially productivity. And so mm. that tension, better people, better business is a beautiful tension for, for me. And AD, that's the space I play in. That, that, that's the tension that I play in. It's that space, yeah. uh, holding that space where we're looking at better business we're looking at better people and we're almost pushing the two together in terms of relationships, communication, capability, deliverables, all those things. And we live with those rolling dice every single day. And it's an important piece. I think um, intuitively, and I'm sure you've seen this as well. So, so you and I kind of look and go, well, business is people, you know, I have these conversations with I've chatted about this in other podcasts, but people always say, oh, the business did this or the organization made that choice. And <laughs> organization doesn't make too many choices. People make choices. Um, the organization is a piece of paper sitting somewhere in a vault. The people are always what makes it. And I think it's really important to your point to understand that those two things, you know, to use your frame there, 
the better people, better business stuff, you can't have a better business without better people. Mm. You just can't. And um, and that includes everyone from, I think there was a long time there that we saw the beginning of IT and technology and the removal of people. But what we've seen is it's not, it's it's all about people still. Well, and it's interesting you, it's interesting you would say that so early <laughs> in the conversation because there's this, there's this conversation going on around about the impact of AI mm. and what that's going to mean. Now, I think at, on one level, I think we've got to recognize that AI will actually replace a certain kind of work, mm. but what it doesn't replace is the work that AI can't do. Yeah. And I think again, sometimes AD, we get caught in the linear thinking or the binary thinking. And you and I both know from our thought leaders community that when we can start to think in multiples, when we can start to think outside of the binary, we begin, we can begin to look at the nature of the relationships between technology changes and human expectations and yeah. all the, the various things that, that we get. I, again, I find that stuff really fascinating because when we can look at the intersections and when we can look at the, the nuances and when we can look at where do we get productivity advantages but then what does that create for the way we need to develop our people and mm. again you know 30 years of doing this never and i will go on record to say never have i discovered the end of the ability to keep developing people and keep creating human environments that people love to be part of and love to thrive in and I've been in all of them. I've been across the whole continuum, ones that I just couldn't wait to get out of, ones that I created myself that weren't that great, and ones that were fantastic as well. So it's it's yeah, really nice. quite quite interesting. Yeah, nice. And, I, and I'll jump back to part of your conversation in there. That the, the thing that triggered me was another statement I hear a lot of, which I don't particularly like, but I hear a lot of. And it's this whole frame, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts, this frame of, well, it's just business, Ryan. It's just business. Um, and it's often used in places where it is uh, decisions that are way less human, um, way less kind, and way less about better people or better business for that matter. But there's this frame of, well, it's just business. How do you, you know, when you hear those things, what does that make you think? What do you, where do you go to with that one? Yeah, look. For me, it's the tensions and the relationships. And I think it's recognizing that those things are true. So let's let's stay with it's just business for a minute and uh, and and hold that hold that thought. Without the business, what does it actually give the people? If it is not, if the business is not there, if the business does not exist or the business isn't able to continue to operate or move forward there are significantly more people that are negatively impacted by that. Mm. I think the concern with the phrase that you may share and that I would have is we often use it as an excuse to be impersonal. Yeah. Uh, we often use it as an excuse to be uh, indirect in the way that we're directly impacting people's livelihoods and their lives and their confidence. And that sort of industrial age, um, technological age idea around what it is that, you know, we've got to cut 10% of workforce and we start to use uh, impersonal phrases to describe people, head yeah. count, you know, all these sorts of things. I think that's when we start to get into the, the challenges of it. And, and, uh, and so on one level, 
I'm a big believer in the business. In fact, as a CEO, my responsibility, my ultimate responsibility is to make decisions in the best interests of a profitable business. Yep. And, <laughs> and include, take on board, engage and help the people participate in that adventure. And it's that tension. So, you know, I think when we use it as an excuse, it's a problem. When we recognize the relationship and the tensions, it requires more of us as leaders. Change management's harder, AD. Uh, um, business changes because of market conditions are harder. These things are hard. Pandemics are hard. And this is why I think what we've, you know, we're facing some serious fatigue challenge among leaders at the moment. We're seeing the, the people restructuring their lives around tree changes and sea changes. We're seeing it being a really strong employee market at the moment and in particularly in sectors. And uh, so it's just a fascinating series of, of relationships and tensions and the leader's job is to put those tensions together and work out the most effective way forward where people can be where the business benefits and the people benefit benefit. Yeah. You know, I think the joining word for this podcast is better. Mm. Okay. It's not, it's not one or the other. It's hold the tension, hold the space, live with it. And I think it's a real challenge that never goes away. We just lean into it week in, week out, quarter in, quarter out, year in, year out. Mm, that's good. And you're an example of one of those uh, sea changes, so, yeah, uh, as we lovingly say, the Mexicans that have come north. Find yourself located down on the Gold Coast these days from a choice around family and just choice. And lots of people are making that choice. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of movement. And I know in the States, there was this whole conversation around um, the great resignation. And I'm not going to go into that piece. I have different views on some of that as well, but that's a whole other podcast. I think I have different views on most things. <laughs> yeah. uh, if I, if I recall our <laughs> conversations. <laughs> yeah, contrary, we'll call it, but, um, but nonetheless, there is a great truth that people are, are making uh, choices around what better means to them. Uh, and that's in everything and how they'd show up in the work they do and the, where they live and how they do life broadly. And, and I can only celebrate that. I think that's a fabulous thing. And, you know, congratulations to you because I know you and your family made some significant choices and yielding the benefits of that now in the role you do and also with your wife and kids with the contentment they're feeling through those choices. So, yeah, well, look, I mean, to, to, to give a 60 second light on that one, like better again is a good word. Like we were pre pandemic, we're sitting down saying our daughter starts high school in, in the year, the year we're recording this is, 2022 she starts high school and i just said to my wife where do you want to live mm. now it did so happen we were on the balcony uh of the southern gold coast on holidays <laughs> at the time um well played, well played. <laughs> and i i you know a bunch of years ago um we we made a big change as a family because of my work and the priority around that and i said to, to my wife you can you know I don't mind it. Wherever you want to live, I'll go. Place is less important to me uh, than ever before. Um, mm. What What would you like to do? And we navigated it together. We make decisions together. And and so pre-pandemic, we identified Southern Gold Coast because 13 years in Melbourne and 25 years in um, or longer even um, in Sydney, uh, we we wanted to move somewhere warmer. Mm. Um, we've already got community here, and and. Even pre uh, my role at 
at pragmatic thinking, we were going to move. And it turns out we're close by and the, the, the business works out. But you're right, like for us, what does better look like as a family? Better looked like relocating to somewhere warmer where we're, there was community, there was good educational opportunities for, this, for the kids and a lifestyle to die for. I jumped on, I jumped on a plane and uh, landed in Melbourne and it was one degree and I was reminded and I'm not a hater. You know, I just love going back to Melbourne. I love the city. It's, it's just beautiful, but I was reminded of how quickly we adapt when we choose what better might look like. We adapt and I'm going, okay, yes, that's right. It's three layers and a scarf. It's three layers and a scarf, right? <laughs> Whereas up yeah. here, it's a t-shirt in the middle of the day. <laughs> yeah, even even in winter. Yeah, that's good. So one of the things that, uh, you know, the, the, the tension I often, another tension I often hear and challenge I have with clients, and I'm just curious if you see or hear this, and I'm sure you have a thought on it. Um, often when, we, when I'm asked to do some work with people and the team's asked to do some work, the frame is we want to be best practice. We want to be best in class. We want to be best in... Best, best, best. And to be honest, I, uh, my, my conversation is always, well, that's a real shame. Um, so sorry to hear about that. And you know, people obviously go, well, what do you mean? And say, well, is that as high as you want to aim? Uh, and well, again, what do you mean? Well, best is a ceiling. It's a place. It's, it's a measurement where you can get tick done. I'm really curious around what better might look like for this business um, because better never quite gets there. Uh, it's always there's always something there's always more and it isn't about not succeeding and not completing and having a constant goal change but it's about realizing that it's a journey um how, how do you what do you think about that what are your thoughts do you see that tension between better and best inside the work you've done and do i've got a question for you am i allowed to ask it oh, you are always allowed to do whatever you so want i'm i'm interested in that because again you know the value that the <clears throat> that listeners get from listening to you, I think is you are, you say contrarian, but I actually think, uh, I think your ability to reframe something and set the bar higher is really strong. And so what I'm curious to know is how, with the better frame, which I agree with, by the way, how do you celebrate along the way? How do you build that culture or the culture of acknowledgement and recognition and celebration? Yeah, so thanks for turning the tables. I appreciate this. I kind of should have expected this, really, <laughs> shouldn't I? Um, so, being aiming for better doesn't mean you don't have milestones, goals, uh, places where you want to get, and it's really important to have those because the never-ending story was a great movie, but not so good in a journey if we continue on and never actually stop to celebrate. Now, we'll also say that. As an individual, it is one of the things that is a blind spot for me, and my team needs to call that out regularly because my pursuit is for better. So I am, as a human, I am less able to go, done, well done, awesome, let's celebrate this. So I have to be very actively conscious. I have to set goals. I have to set expectation. And I also, as much, probably more for the team that I get to journey with, need to also do things at certain places when we do achieve the goal, the step, the, you know, that next ladder. And I, for me, the picture is a ceiling or a ladder. You know, best is about the ceiling and you bang your head on the roof and you're done. Uh, better is about the ladder. There's always another rung that you can choose to move up and choose is the other thing too, I think, Rowan. But, so for us, every time we step up a rung, it's 
looking to what is the next rung. What is that about? What are we? Why are we doing that? Where are we heading? Um, and what does that look like? What does success look like when we get there? Yeah. Um, and it is like a ladder is important because a ladder does have rungs. It's not just like a tube that you get sucked up into space and there's no defined steps. You know, there are the rungs of the ladder. And for, for me, I want to talk to clients about this. It's, let's talk about what are the goals. You know, um, is, is it three months, six months, 12 months? Is it five year? And obviously five years is the best guess, but nonetheless, you've got to have that guess and something to aim for. Mm. Um, so that's how I look at it. And I, because of my bias toward uh, improvement, continuous improvement, the better, um, I do have a tendency to, honestly, I do have a tendency to, to sail straight through and keep going. I don't know how important it is for people to be able to go, well done, you know, well done, mm. well done. Or, hey, we didn't quite hit this one. Why not? What have we got to learn here? Um, as you said, there's been some problematic years for most people, not everyone, but most people in the last few years around um, COVID and just general disruption. Um, that, that that a lot of people haven't hit their betters. Mm. It's okay. Why not? And how do we reframe it? How do we reset? And how do we mm. go again? Yeah, does and I think answer, I think answer your question. Well, yeah, it, it does. It does, and maybe. Um, <laughs> Maybe you should be a guest on this podcast. Yeah, I've, been, I've been challenged on that one, yes. <laughs> I, I think the importance of what you said is actually in the next level down, which I, th I think the leader's job is the importance of context and reframe. Yep. And I think that's what our job is. Our job is to uh, you know, define what good looks like, what Brene Brown says, paint done. Uh, what does success look like here? What will we do when we achieve this picture? And then what will we do next? And that's the job of the leader. The job of the leader is to build, let's to, to use our language in, in this conversation is to build a better culture is to build. And I don't mean better as an improving culture, but a culture that's committed to better as a journey versus best as a destination. And I think that that creates a hunger that creates a drive that creates a commitment to improvement, a commitment to learning and a commitment to growing. But that requires a particular kind of mindset, a particular kind of approach to success and failure, a particular kind of approach to communication and conflict, a particular kind of approach to external and internal factors. And I think that's the most useful thing. If we can find the language, like the language of better really works and so i think that's a a powerful language and there it isn't the only one word that would work but again no. our job is to go this is the context here's where we're playing here's what it needs to look like for the next three months nine months 12 months two years and if it changes this is what we'll do and this is how we'll reframe and i think those sorts of things become really important so yeah they that they're, they're they're the thoughts that are sparked from that question yeah, and I think that's a lot of wisdom there is um, for everybody. If you didn't quite catch that, hit the replay about a minute back, play it again. It's definitely worth it. Maybe go a minute and a half just to make sure you catch it. But there are some so the pieces that I think are really powerful, Rowan, that I hear and I just say spot on is the piece around setting the context. Um, the risk of any drive, best or better, is that the leader is driving the bus Jesus, is a Jim Collinsism. He's he or she is off driving the bus. Um, the problem is they don't know who's on it, 
no one quite knows where they're going and they certainly didn't buy the old back in the days when we did have uh, airplane flights where you could just buy a random flight I can't remember what they used to call that do you remember the old back when they had airplanes sorry I should be so sarcastic but um, we used to do those mystery flights and you didn't there quite you know go. where you were going so many leaders I think are running mystery flights uh, it's definitely a plane it's definitely going somewhere not quite sure where and Oh, gosh, I hope it's fun when we get there and people have paid for the mystery flight to come along. Um, they're expecting from Melbourne to end up at Cairns and they end up at Timbuktu and a little bit confused what went wrong here mm. um, or actually end up circling and landing straight back in Melbourne. And again, it's been clear around and taking people on the journey. Mm. Um, and, and again, that's uh, I know this is something you do and something you preach strongly is around this there's no point just the leader racing off the whole team has to go yeah and i think you know i have a, a phrase that definitely doesn't originate from me but it's uh gets used all over the place like the, the disappointment is the difference between expectations and experience mm. and disappointment can be something that gets built into the fabric of a team because we make promises we don't keep or the experience along the way isn't what they considered it would be because we never discussed it or we never sat down to keep continual continually check in or recalibrate or ask for advice we're talking about emerging generations that have something to say they want to say something and we've got to get better at making sure we're holding the space between contribution and direction and i think those sorts of things become really really important and especially now how life and work is a lot more asynchronous so we can use we use different platforms and different uh, pieces of technology to communicate uh, collaborate and and holding all of those moving parts i think becomes really really important but again the job of the leader is to be clear about the destination to be clear about everybody's role in the team the camera panning along the different size mm. uh participants and uh, you know, singing various versions of our national anthem, <laughs> and uh, and uh, and being able to continually check in with people on their role in this task and this aspiration and this project. And I think again, that's what makes better people, better business partner together so well. Right, that it's the holding in that real time check in, real time conversation, real time. How do we think things are going? And it's that. So you know, I'm a future orientated person. So the biggest risk for me, like you and I just talked about, how good are you at celebrating? And you more or less said, not that great, but I'm being reminded of it consistently. I'm a future orientated person. So when anybody wants to talk to me about what's going to happen in the next two to four weeks, I'm like, you sort it out that doesn't cut it. I've got to show the the ability to be present. I've got to show the ability to engage. I've got to show the ability to recognize where that creates value. And I think that's a really important part of the conversation. It is. And, uh, and for a team, they need that presence. Um, and I was just thinking about your, your panoramic as the rugby team or any sports team for that matter, the netball team, take your pick as well. The camera just goes up and down all over the place. Um, and the user, to continue the rugby uh, analogy, a forward's not a back. 
Um, you know, and you can't train a forward and a back in the same way in every way, and you can't expect the same roles in the field. So in the team, and you're thinking about being, you know, better business, better people, it isn't one size fits all. You've got to be very mindful, as you said, all the different shapes and sizes and, and styles, et cetera. But understand in your business, there are different positions. You do have forwards, you do have backs, you have centers, you have all sorts of different, you know, you have your goal defense, your goal attack in netball. Like you've got all these different positions and it's really important people understand their role and really important how they understand their role inside the business. Yeah, and again, like let's apply the better business, better people principle here. Clarifying that, so that people understand, you know, what's the what's the end game? What's the direction? What's the role? What mm. does good look like? Uh, we use a phrase here at PT. Um, when we're at our best, what are we doing? When we are not at our best, what are we doing? And it elicits the most profound conversations for the teams that we work with. Some of them have never had those conversations before. They've never had permission to say when we're not at our best, this is what we're doing or what's happening. Yep. And then all of a sudden they get to create strategies around doing it differently. It's brilliant. It's so good to see. So one more time, what's that cracking question? Just so people didn't get it, stop. If you're driving the car, pull over, grab a pencil. It's this, it's this idea <laughs> of the behavioral, um, the behavioral compass. And we talk about when we are working at our best, what are we doing? And when yep. we are not working at our best, what are we doing? And we talk about amplifying the at our best behaviors and being on guard of the not at our best behaviors. And it's a beautiful piece of work. And it's something that I think is a real game changer for teams. Yeah, absolutely. It's that whole slightly different set of words, but very similar above the line, below the line, you know, what does above the line with you look like? What is below the line with you? But that's a great set of questions there. I think for people, even that one piece, if you were to take that and apply that this week in a team conversation, just the richness that would come out of that. Um, mm. And I think it's really important, better people, better business is very much about humanizing the business. It's very much about realizing that it's not just a big machine. It's about a bunch of people working together to do great work, good work, any work. And how do you get just from work to great work? How do you get from just showing people who are just showing up to people who truly want to be there and, and aspiring to collectively and individually be better? Um, that's the game. And I think there's a whole range of conversation just then that was deeply empowering. So thank you for that one. The other question I had, Ron, I know time we're getting close to, but there's a statement in your, in your bio, and it was really useful. I love reading out other people's bios and watching them cringe. Um, was around operating intent. And, and I can read it again if you need me to. <laughs> um, but you help bring to life our operating intent. I'm intrigued. What, what, do you, what does that mean? What does that mean to you? Yeah, it's a great question. And again, um, I love the frame, better people, better business. So operating intent is something that we can stick on the wall. Um, bringing to life is something that we experience in the hall. All right. So one of my mentors, Andy Stanley says, he says, it's all, it's all good if it's on the wall, but it needs to be in the hall. Okay. Mm. It's got to be it's got to be lived experience. It's got to be bought into by the people. We, you, I remember years and years ago, re-engineering a not-for-profit 
And I was a couple of years in and I heard one of my leaders use one of our values as a way to direct people's behavior. And I stopped and they did it independently. They weren't told to do it. It just came out of them. And I stopped and went, oh, we've made it. We, we, we got there. They owned it. They, and it was this, it was this moment. And so I think operating intent is, and bringing to life is the difference between theory and practice and the difference between aspiration and experience. It's the difference between objective and behavior. It's those things. So the questions I most want to ask, answer, and work with organizations on is, are we being the things we say we are consistently, authentically, and in what way is that positively impacting the business objectives and the business strategy? And in what way is that positively impacting our people strategy and our, mm. our people objectives? Because that's where the disconnect is. We say it, we write it, we graphic design it, and we forget about it. And that can happen for lots of different reasons, yeah. mostly because we don't know how to make that, make that connection between the stated objective and the behavior that goes with it. Yeah, and I th- and, I, and that's um, you know two point. It's a lot of the work that you do and the business that you lead does is is about joining these wonderful things on a wall, uh, as you said, the stick on a wall, but and helping people to understand how does that actually play out in the hall? How do I walk this talk? Because um, it's look, I'm not going to cut to cut to the chase. It's bloody hard. Yeah, like it is exceptionally difficult work. Um, there are a few rare people out there who seem to be able to do it innately, but they're rare. I think most people do find the application. You can sit and do a strategic workshop. You can do that kind of stuff. And so love that. And then there's the little the sort of fly by the night, the loose on, loose on the run who are creating interesting culture out there, but they don't necessarily have the strategy. But how do you have both, to use your words, the wall and the hall? Mm. Um, and if you don't have both, you're going to have challenge in the business. And what do you do when it goes wrong? What do you do when it goes off track? Most of us don't have strategies to acknowledge that we didn't live up to the expectation. We didn't live up to the, the, the standard. How do I, you know, to use another framework we use, how do I use reverse gear, back up, say sorry, and then come at it a different way, a more human way, a more authentic way, a way with some lessons learned? And that's just as important to build into the, the better people part of who we are. Oh, it is. One of the other words that sit inside for my world, the better, the better idea is onwards. Mm. Um, and again, to touch on that much earlier conversation around the, the risk of binary, you know, forwards, backwards. Um, yeah, forwards is going to always forwards. People, you hear this a lot in a business frame or forwards. You've got to be moving forwards. Uh, my reflection is that, um, and their little meme that I talk about regularly is sometimes forwards, sometimes backwards, but always onwards. Mm-hmm. Um, as you just said, thrown in reverse is sometimes the most important thing you need to do. And if you're parked in in a car park, you kind of have to go to reverse to get out. Mm-hmm. In life, sometimes we get in those car parks and we have to throw it in reverse to be able to get back out again. Yep. And that's okay. Um, people, if, So one school of thought, the best school of thought often says, we go backwards, you know, failure. No. It's learning and it's onwards um, because you can't go forwards without going backwards. But collectively, it's about onwards. Um, that's the piece, I think, and, it's, and it wrapped up in that as a little bit of self-kindness. 
you know, a little bit around uh, serving self and taking care of self on that journey as well. Mm. Um, no, it's really powerful. Rowan, I am mindful of time and I know you've been very generous and uh, I, you and I could talk most of the day um, and have find, and find a lot of really powerful things and it's been what you've offered there is just so much good, um, pragmatic, useful. Again, you also know me, useful is one of my favourite words and today's talk was useful to people, so thank you. Mm, um, my, my, my last question for you, if we could leave one piece to sit in people's thinking as they're listening, watching, whatever it might be, what's if there was one thing you could say, what would be the one thing that you would want to leave as a gift for the folk who are listening? Yeah, I, a, a long-time <clears throat> mentor of mine uh, is Jim Rowan. He's passed, and he said, work harder on yourself than you do on your job. Mm. And, uh, and uh, if I combine that with the work I'm doing now, like deeply... A scientific uh, approach to behavior and motivation. When you work harder on yourself and you see the progress, you are more motivated to continue to do that. We call it the motivation principle. It's a principle of behavioral science. It's a principle of psychology. And it's also a principle of wisdom. Work harder on yourself than you do on your job. And you will see the impact and the results and the benefits in your job and for yourself. That's how I would, uh, that's what I would be encouraging people to do. Cracking gift. And, and uh, for those listening, uh, that's, you know, there's a whole range of uh, resources that one can choose to follow in that space. Um, get after something, go and read a book, go and listen, listen to this podcast, listen to others, work on yourself. Um, real, really wise words there, Rowan. Thank you. Um, and for those who want to find out a bit more about Rowan and or the organisation that he leads, Pragmatic Thinking, um, we will have some comments in the show notes below, some links and et cetera. Um, he is an amazing individual. I know you can blush again, Rowan. Uh, the business does amazing work and helps a whole range of organisations, large and small. Um, they're a cracking unit and they are very, my, my view, high trust, high delivery and just a high quality organisation. Um, and I would say the same thing for Mr. Dredge. Um, thank you very much for your time, Rowan. Um, and if people want to reach out, I'm sure you'd be more than welcome to say g'day and talk about opportunities and how you might be able to help. No, it'd be a pleasure. I'm Rowan at pragmaticthinking.com. LinkedIn is the perfect way to ha have and start these kinds of conversations. But more to the point, you know, better better people, better business, better business, better people. It's a beautiful tension. It's a fabulous relationship. And I think a good reason to keep having ongoing conversations. So thank you. Yeah. You're more than welcome. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, we, as always, value your time and appreciate the investment you've made. And uh, if you need to have a chat or a conversation, feel free to reach out. Um, always love to hear your thoughts as well. Not many, I get regular conversations, which is beautiful. I'm always happy to have more because the more we can learn and understand what's going on in your world, the better we can help serve you. Have a cracking day, Mr. Dredge, and to all those out there similarly. Thank you, mate. Talk soon. Yes.